Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome to Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. For the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with facts and comedy and music and fun and quality guests. And our number for you to join the conversation is 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. You're very attractive finger plinking those digits out on your device makes you part of the conversation because we're a lot like cable news except we listen to you and it's great to have you you're telling me letitia james letitia james is seriously claiming that a guy who cheated his workers and didn't pay contractors and sexually assaults women and then brags that he sexually assaulted and stole from americans with a fraudulent online university including veterans uh, and, and he's also banned from running a charity because he stole from 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 that and, and uh, did, got, he committed election fraud on a taped call, ended, ended the 200 plus year American tradition of what we call a peaceful transfer of power. That streak is done. This guy might have done something corrupt. <laughs> oh, it's a bad week to be a bad man. Chris Houseltz, our executive producer, Thea Harper, is off on a very well-deserved uh, trip. So uh, when you call, who are they getting? Are they getting you, Chris, or are they getting Nico when they call? Nico. Nico is helping us out tonight. So when you call, be lovely to him. He's putting up with a lot. He's got to put up with all of the riffraff that call this show, and he's got to put up with Chris. And that's 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 much. Also, hey, we have some great guests coming up if you enjoyed our town hall with our good friend Ken Burns. In the next couple of weeks, we will be joined by David Korn, Julian Lennon, William Shatner, and Michael Cohen. Yes, that Michael Cohen. It's going to be a good time. Um, and we have a great lineup of guests for tonight. It's Wednesday, so we have our good friends, as per the usual, Bob Seska and Keith Price. But also, I, maybe you've seen Andrew Kurtzman doing the rounds for his incredible new book about Rudy Giuliani. It's called Giuliani, The Rise and Tragic Fall of America's Mayor. Now, when I first heard about this book, it's a book, you know, what happened to Rudy Giuliani? I mean, that's the question, right? How did you go from, you know, the king of 9-11 to the surf of January 6th? 
it's really an interesting to see that Andrew Kurtzman is spending years writing the definitive book on Giuliani. So I say yes, right? Yeah, we'll take him no matter what, you know. But when you actually read Mr. Kurtzman's book, oh my God, I mean, you're, you're like, this is kind of gossipy. And then you realize, nope, that's why it has to be here. It's really gripping and you're not going to want to miss it. And again, comedy daddy Keith Price joins us. A lot of birthdays today. Special birthday to my brother, Paul, because a couple of years ago, he, he challenged me to write a, a limerick for him about having a birthday on September 21st. And I didn't think I could do it, but I, I, I tried. So, um, cause there's a lot of big birthdays today. Like I grew up, shared a birthday with Charlie Sheen. Not very impressive. My brother, a lot of impressive people. So a birthday limerick for my brother who is a shrink. It's my brother, Paul's birthday, no doubt. And he shares it with people of clout, Leonard Cohen, Bill Murray, Stephen King, but don't worry. Nicole Richie does balance that out. Thank you very much. Let's get to the show. Not a good week for authoritarians. First, Donald Trump was saying, put the warrant out. Release the warrant. Go ahead, show them. Show them the warrant. Merrick Garland's like, okay, bro, here you go. Trump's like, no, 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 no. I want a special master. I need a special master. Okay, here, we, we, we'll, 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 we don't want to do that, but okay. And I want it to be the 78-year-old guy that Reagan hired. Uh, okay, you can, you can have that guy. Uh, 78-year-old guy that Reagan hired shows up and says, uh, yeah, uh, uh, what are these declassified documents you're claiming? I don't see that. Uh, I declassified them. It's, it's, it's me. Okay, uh, show me the proof that you declassified this. No, witch hunt. <laughs> and that's as good as his week was going to get, because today began with Attorney General Tish James laying out his crimes and suing him for a quarter of a billion dollars. And his afternoon ended with two Trump appointed judges joining a third on the 11th Circuit to reverse Judge Cannon's choice to keep the DOJ from doing their criminal investigation of Trump. Federal appeals court restored the Justice Department's access to documents with classified markings that were seized last month from Donald Trump's Florida resort, which gave a big victory today to federal investigators in their efforts to uh, examine the crimes that Trump definitely committed. And it's really not a subject for debate, folks. If you're going to come out here and tell me that he declassified them, you don't get to tell me the FBI planted them. Hmm? If you're going to tell me that he has executive privilege... You don't get to come out here and tell me it was just a storage dispute. His stories keep changing. And the DOJ can now proceed with investigating these documents further. I kind of feel like they knew what they read it the first time. And they don't have to disclose any classified documents to Trump's team. If you're a Trump supporter, this is good news. Because somebody stole something belonging to your government and your government got it back. So you should expect Donald Trump to delay this as much as possible. He will ask for a full court to review it again. Because that's all they've got. They're playing for time, but I don't know what the goal is. To make it past the midterms? To make it to the midterms? Everything they do, including the special master, has just been a stall technique. And today, in a really brutally worded 29-page decision, Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit blocked Judge Cannon's order that had temporarily barred the department from using the classified materials as they investigated Trump stealing classified materials. And that's as good as his day got, because today, New York Attorney General Letitia James, hello, Letitia, filed a wide-ranging civil lawsuit 
against Donald Trump, the Trump Organization, Alan Weiselberg, and three of his adult children, his daughter Tiffany, and his two oldest sons, Fredo and Shemp. Uh, this suit is relying on a special statute for repeated instances of alleged violations of a law, mainly real estate transactions. Now, perhaps the kind of things Trump has been doing for years are very common. I'd love to find out. But he's also filing a criminal referral for the feds in the Southern District of New York and a separate tax fraud referral to the IRS for the same 280 pages of detailed fraud. So again, please remember, she's suing him for a quarter billion. We'll get into it. She is also the state, rather, not she. So sorry. Letitia James is not suing him. The state of New York is suing him. And she's filing criminal referrals to the feds and tax fraud referrals to the IRS. Yeah, they're going to be all over Trump like Trump on a Big Mac. Here is New York Attorney General Letitia James, the queen, announcing charges against Donald Trump, his children. This has never happened before in the history of our country, by the way. And the Trump Organization. Following a comprehensive three-year investigation by my office, including witnesses, interviews with more than 65 witnesses, and review of millions of documents that were submitted by Mr. Trump and others, I am announcing that today we are filing a lawsuit against Donald Trump for violating the law as part of his efforts to generate profits for himself, his family, and his company. The complaint demonstrates that Donald Trump falsely inflated his net worth by billions of dollars to unjustly enrich himself and to cheat the system, thereby cheating all of us. He did this with the help of the other defendants, his children, Donald Trump Jr., Ivanka Trump, and Eric Trump and former Trump Organization CFO Alan Weisselberg and Trump Organization controller Jeffrey McConney. Mr. Trump and the Trump Organization repeatedly and persistently manipulated the value of assets to induce banks to lend money to the Trump Organization on more favorable terms than would otherwise have been available to the company. Mm -hmm. To pay lower taxes to satisfy continuing loan agreements and to induce insurance companies to provide insurance coverage for higher limits and at lower premiums. This conduct was all in violation of executive law, section 6312, which gives the attorney general broad and special powers to go after persistent and repeated fraud and illegality. As part of demonstrating illegality under that section of law 6312, we show that they violated several state criminal laws, including falsifying business records, issuing false financial statements, oh, yeah. insurance fraud, and engaging in a conspiracy to commit each of these. And it's stuff that's been out there. Decades of deception, billions of dollars in him falsifying what his net worth was, all trying to, to, to make his company's tax bills as small as possible, to make banks think he was poorer than he was, and insurance companies the same, while also just inflating his net worth by billions of dollars on the other side just to enrich himself and cheat the system, constantly claiming he was poorer than he really was, constantly claiming he was richer than he really was, 
whichever worked. He 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 claimed his own triplex apartment in Trump Tower, the hideous building on Fifth Avenue. He said this was worth three hundred twenty seven million. Michael Cohen said it's worth maybe fifty million. Attorney General James said to this date, no apartment in New York City has ever sold for close to three hundred twenty seven million. Trump even claimed his apartment was thirty thousand square feet. It was actually 11,000. She called it the art of the steel, and she's seeking a $250 million uh, suit for these allegedly illegal profits netted from his various schemes and a five-year ban on Trump, Mini-Me, Ivanka, and Eric from participating in any real estate transactions. Yeah, a real estate dynasty founded by a dead racist landlord. Pretty much, this would spell the end of the Donald Trump real estate empire if this could happen. And the state seeks a permanent ban on Trump and his three oldest children from serving as directors or officers of any corporation or business licensed in New York State. How will this make the world a better place, you ask? Allow Letitia James to explain. The relief that we are seeking specifically, we are asking the court, again, to permanently bar Mr. Trump, Donald Trump, Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, from serving as an officer or director in any corporation or similar business entity registered or licensed in New York State. We are barring Mr. Trump and his organization from entering into any New York State commercial real estate acquisition for five years. We are barring Mr. Trump and the Trump organization from applying for any loans from any financial institution registered with the New York Department of Financial Services for five years. We are requiring Mr. Trump and the Trump organization to to disgorge the financial benefits obtained through the persistent fraudulent practices, an estimated baseline at the minimum of $250 million. Boom. And to appoint an independent monitor at the Trump Organization to oversee compliance, financial reporting, valuations, and disclosures to lenders, insurers, and tax authorities for no less than five years. We are requiring the Trump Organization to prepare on an annual basis for the next five years a gap, a generally accepted accounting practices, compliant audited statement of financial condition showing Mr. Trump's net worth to be distributed to all the recipients of his prior statements of financial condition. So you get the idea. To replace it's, it's the really current important. trustee. Thank you, Tish. I'll take it from here. Uh, it's important to, to remember, no matter how crazy life gets, stop and smell the train wreck. Because as bad as it is for Trump this week, it's as good as it's going to get. And whatever burden you're carrying in your life right now, brothers and sisters, you're going to have a better 2022 and a better 2024 than the former host of Celebrity Apprentice. Right wing Trumplandia. Well, um, the inner circle flipped out. Of course, Republicans in the Senate, they don't have much comment about these things. They're praying the Democrats take Donald Trump out because they're craven, unmanly cowards who lack the manhood to even speak their principles because they're so terrified of their own racist, clueless voting base. It's an amazing time to be on the right side of history because there's a lot of good that's just waiting to happen. We'll be right back with the great Bob Seska later on in the show. Andrew Kurtzman on, oh, the ugliest parts of the Giuliani story. Don't go away. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I'm John saying This is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. We got a lot to get to, and let's do it with the great Bob Seska, host of The Bob Seska Show. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bob from his appearances on Stephanie Miller, his excellent columns on The Daily Banter and in Salon, and of course, his wonderful political podcast where he covers politics and music better than me on my best day. Mr. Seska, welcome back. For a second there, I thought you were going to introduce me as the Queen of Denmark, and that's why I was like, oh... <laughs> Is that my nickname today? That's Great. like the hippest metal band I've ever heard of, by the way. But yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, tur- turns out it's not funerals are not safe yet for uh, in, yeah. in the, po- you know, I, I it, it's really interesting um, seeing how people respond to Joe Biden coming out and saying on 60 Minutes that uh, the pandemic is over. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of liberals who don't want to talk about it. Um, to me, I think it's important to, to, you know, critique if we think the president's yeah. made a mistake because we're not bobbleheads. And, and you know, I, I honestly, the biggest mis- problem I have with him saying that, Bob, and I want your opinion, he just gave them so much fodder to use against him. There's a new variant coming out. The weather's getting cold again. What if, God forbid, there's a vaccine resistant variant that comes out? The body count is still 400 Americans dying a day. You know, not that the Republican Party cares about Americans Mm -hmm. dying over COVID, but they care about exploiting it to hurt Joe Biden. Um, Is this the sort of thing that the brashness we often admire in Joe Biden can sometimes come back to haunt him? Yeah, I think so. I think this is a mistake. And look, I'm all in favor of making sure we don't sabotage anyone this close to the midterms and so on. Mm -hmm. And I don't think this is sabotaging. I mean, it's a I think it's a valid criticism that he was premature with this. I think what he was doing is overly reflecting the the whims of the people. And as we know, for about a year now, most people have been going done with covid done with COVID. We're done. We're through with the protocols. We're not going to take any more precautions from here on out. Let the chips fall where they may. You do you, which is the new way of saying F you and your fastidiousness and your masking. The CDC CDC is the you do you. It's true. And and (laughs) Biden did say that COVID wasn't over. It it seemed like he was implying that COVID is going to now be a a flu-like thing we deal with that kills, uh, you know, several thousand of us every year and persists mm-hmm. um i i just by pandemic i understand where he's coming from it's just i i i don't know i don't want a president out there trying to scare people at the same time he opened himself up to uh a lot of bad things yeah it would have been fair if he had said i think the pandemic's over and and uh, no he, it would have been fair if he had said i think the mandates are over 
And yeah. obviously he said the pandemic is over. He would say if he had said the mandates are over, the pandemic continues. COVID is still a threat. We still need to do the right thing as citizens of a society that ostensibly or at least ought to care about the well-being of our neighbors, which is something that you and I have been talking about since the very beginning. This yeah. is not just about us as individuals. That's why the you do you thing is such bullshit to me, because it's not just about me. It's not just about you, John. It's about the people around us and the vulnerability of those people. And I'm not necessarily talking about the people who are gratuitously not getting vaccinated because fuck you, Brandon, and whatever other excuse they have. No more masking because it's a hoax or a conspiracy or whatever. It's a violation of my rights. Those people, they're out doing things that they want to do and defying the rules uh, for political purposes. And if they end up getting sick, they end up getting sick. Hopefully they yeah. don't infect anybody along the way. And that's an ongoing issue. But nothing Joe Biden says is going to get those people to do the right thing. So That's basically, he's communicating with people who are, you know, who have been by and large uh, careful and safe and responsible this whole time, but who are now going, all right, enough's enough, done with COVID, and we're moving on. So I, I think that I, was a bit of a a bit of a pander from Joe Biden, I think. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, except it it, it is all about me, and um, it is. And also, uh, you know, Oh, my concern is now that he said this, every right winger is coming out of the woodwork saying, well, I guess that means you can get rid of your military vaccine mandate, right? Get rid uh, of your yeah, ma- yeah. like that. So right. he, he gave because, some fuel to the bad guys. Right. Yeah. And there are so many other vaccines that military service members have to have. And now this singles out the covid vaccine, which is entirely valid, entirely necessary uh, as something that's disposable. And nice. that's the that's the problem with this thing. It completely eliminates, uh, you know, off the table other vaccinations as something that we can examine. And f- for good purposes, I mean, I'm, I'm glad they're not going after the other vaccinations at this point in an official capacity. Obviously, there are anti-vaxxers who would rather not have polio vaccines and <laughs> smallpox vaccines sure. and fun things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, OK. Uh, so, so what we're doing here is we're playing my favorite game, which is called, uh, hey, uh, uh, we can criticize Joe Biden because we're allowed to have critical thinking and we're not a fucking cult. Right. I mean, every time <laughs> right. every time a bell rings, uh, a liberal has proven they have critical thinking skills yeah, because yeah. the problem we have is that in the Republican Senate, they can't do this. You and I mm-hmm. just did something that 50 Republican senators are too terrified to do. Criticize a policy of the leader of their party. I mean, yeah, literally, yeah. that's where it's at now. And it's metastasizing. I, I honestly think that Donald Trump is just going to be the hood ornament on this Nazi clown car for several more years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I totally agree with you. And I think there's a way to criticize Joe Biden. There's a way to criticize our Democratic leadership that doesn't undermine their political odds. Exactly. And I think that's an important way to go. You can obviously say something. It was like with the two Marines standing behind Joe Biden during his remarks about the Republicans and about the violent extremism that we're seeing. And, uh, you know, that was worthy of, you know, a couple of remarks. I don't think it was worthy of a what turned into a five, six, seven day news cycle, which was complete overkill, uh, completely unnecessary, completely disproportionate to the 
you know, the degree of the uh, infraction itself. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you could just say what you need to say about it, but you don't have to destroy the man yeah, as exactly. you're saying it. And I think there's a balance there. And, you know, yeah. it's, I know that social media, for example, is where nuance goes to die. I know. But I think there's room for nuance <laughs> in these circumstances. Nuance. What are you, French or something? You're, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 important to just show that it can be done because our friends on the right can't. And you can criticize policies on your own side without enabling and helping the other side because again they're mm-hmm. much worse and i'm saying this now because right. i'm going to gush later on when we play biden's speech to the u.n earlier today uh l- let's talk about letitia james bob yes. I- I'm- i've been thinking of you all day donald trump and his family business that he got from his dead racist landlord dad and his three oldest and most charming children lied to lenders for over a decade lied to insurers for mm-hmm. over a decade they fraudulently overvalued his assets by billions of dollars in a sprawling scheme and Letitia James is now I'm sorry the state of New York is trying to bar the Trumps from ever running a business including real estate in that state again yeah this is these the, people wanted an indictment I get that but this is still not just the scariest thing that's ever happened to Trump this is the scariest thing that's ever been done to a former US president Oh, absolutely. I, I, and I love what you just said, which is one of the uh, potential penalties come out of this lawsuit, which is that Trump, Trump Jr., uh, Eric and Ivanka will not be allowed to ever run another business in the state of New York. Well, I think it's five years. I think five years. Oh, no, no, no. Forever. That oh, real, I'm sorry. Right. Real, real estate is five years. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, buying, selling real estate. That's five years. And there were a number of other restrictions that would have a five year moratorium where they're not allowed to do a certain number of things, which is all fine. I mean, this is ostensibly going to destroy the Trump organization if oh, it's yeah. actually successful. And that's a big that's a big if. But I'm glad that uh, uh, Attorney General James has taken this long to get to this point so that you know, I think we can rest assured knowing that she's got all the evidence lined up that the thoroughness of this investigation leading up to today's announcement yeah. was, uh, yeah, was exhaustive enough to make sure that she's got him. I mean, she's got yeah. documents with his signatures on them. He's got she's got documents with uh, uh, Alan Weisselberg's signature on there. Don Jr. Signature, Eric Jr. Eric's signature, Eric Jr. Um, <laughs> but the, the other thing is, is he's. She also has the testimony of Alan Weisselberg yeah. in her back pocket as part of this, too. So well, that's, and that's interesting. Well. I, I, I was thinking about that today, Bob, because um, I'm sure that somehow Alan Weisselberg recently surprisingly pleading guilty to all those charges is somehow connected to this. I mean, oh, Weisselberg yeah. didn't put up a fight. I know that he knew this was coming. We're going to have Michael Cohen on the show next week, but it, it, it does seem like she's going after the organization that Fred built itself. The, oh, you yeah. know, she said yeah. that from 2011 to 2021, they created more than 200 false and misleading valuations of assets on his annual statements of financial condition to defraud financial institutions. This is everything Michael Cohen testified to Congress about. What was it, mm-hmm. three years ago? And we thought, oh, heads are going to roll now. Yeah, it took three years, but it the heads are slowly beginning to roll. And again, <laughs> I, I was on radio with a, a progressive affiliate in Chicago today because uh, we're doing the show there this weekend. And it, it comes back to this, Bob. I don't think he's ever going to go to jail, but we can still enjoy the devastation 
like like oh, there's yeah. a yeah. There, like karma is having a slow moving pogrom against Trump. Start <laughs> popping yeah. the popcorn and just every he's never going to be president again, Bob. I'm going to call mm-hmm. it. He's never when he sold that hotel. I, I knew he wasn't going to run again. He might still oh, run, yeah. but he's never going to be president after January 6th. I'm not attached emotionally to seeing this guy in jail. I would rather just watch him disintegrate and melt and hurt Ron DeSantis. That's good That's- enough for me. Yeah, that's the best thing about it. I said that to Stephanie Miller this morning, in fact, on her show. I I tried to say that to her. She didn't want to hear it. They want to see him in jail. (laughs) Well, whether he goes to prison or not, we can rest assured knowing that Donald Trump is immensely uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Donald Trump is is shitting his big boy pants all over the place. I mean, I started doing like catch up alert levels at Mar-a-Lago and Bedminster <laughs> with just the, that just shot from oh the shining. Oh, my God. The walls are like Jackson the, Pollock masterpieces of, of splayed po- catch up yeah. all over the place now. Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. I think that we all crave. We want to see the bully get bullied himself. And the best yes. way to do that is using the rule of law, using process, using uh, evidence that Donald Trump has produced himself to to place him in this predicament where all of the walls are closing in on him. Not only did we have Letitia James today, but I'm sure we'll talk about in just a second how Trump lost his, uh, well, the uh, Department of Justice won their appeal mm-hmm. before the 11th Circuit, which is also good news. And oh, then yeah. there's a list of what 20 maybe two dozen other things including personal lawsuits a new development with eugene carroll uh that's right uh, eugene carroll because today. of what joe biden did last friday joe biden yeah. took away the statute of limitations for sexual abuse and so eugene carroll friend of the show is suing him right now and again this is not to be confused with the fulton county election interference investigation where trump's on no. the phone committing fraud this is not the NAACP lawsuit against Trump for trying to overturn the election. Uh, this is not the uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman lawsuit or the Trump Tower assault lawsuit. It's not the Mary F- Trump suit. Uh, this is yep. not the whole investigation about the inaugural money in 2017. Um, the Westchester golf course, totally separate, totally separate. I want to be fair yeah. to Donald Trump. This is not the two cops suing him over the Capitol riot. Uh, this is not Eric Swalwell suing him. Um, I could go on. This guy's going to be <laughs> shoveling money to really bad lawyers for the rest mm-hmm. of his life. I keep telling people he's in jail now. Billable yeah. hours yes. are, are, are his, his uh, prison guards. That's exactly right. And he keeps committing more crimes in the process of these investigations going on. We have lying to the FBI, potentially, uh, between Donald Trump and his attorneys, uh, lying to the FBI about the documents at Mar-a-Lago. We have today's announcement, today's lawsuit with Letitia James. There was another revelation in there, which is that there were tax records, Trump's tax records, with the top secret documents stored in Mar-a-Lago that were seized on August 8th and that FBI search and seizure. So he's lied to Letitia James in her investigation in that capacity uh, under oath saying that he's turned over all of his tax records when, Mm -hmm. in fact, there were more tax records there. And then you add on top of all of that the fact that she's referring all of this as a, a criminal matter to the Southern District of New York, which is the Department of Justice, plus the criminal division of the IRS. And I don't know if I've said it enough times on this show, John, but both of my parents, uh, when I was a kid, worked for the Internal Revenue Service. That's and right. Their slogan, the thing that they would always tell us is, you don't mess with the IRS. And Donald Trump has messed with the IRS. So, and this is the criminal division of the IRS. Let's be clear about this. That doesn't fall under the uh, jurisdiction of Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice. This is separate. 
And the Internal Revenue Service, obviously known for being ruthless when it comes to investigating things like this. That's right. So the more time goes on and the more these investigations develop, the deeper Donald Trump sinks into the quicksand of his own making. And that is exactly what's going on here. So if you're concerned as to whether or not he's going to go to prison, chances are probably not. He will probably, probably get sentenced in one of these cases to some form of house arrest with the ankle thing, the ankle monitor, where he'll be able to only stay in a certain part of one of his properties or one of his house, wherever he is, Mar-a-Lago. Maybe he, he'll be forbidden from going to the prime rib bar at Mar-a-Lago <laughs> someplace. But regardless, he is not going to live out the rest of his life as a free man, necessarily. He's going to right. be under the watchful eye of federal agents, U.S. Marshals, etc., making yeah. sure that he does not do what he's been doing for the last, what, five, six decades in New York City. And in the words of Biggie Smalls, federal <laughs> agents may because he's flagrant. Um, Bob, what's yeah. the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with your work? Uh, you can hear my podcast, The Bob Seska Show, everywhere you get your podcasts, also at bobseskashow.com. Thank you so Thank much, you my so friend. Thank you so much. Great to see you, Bob. Have a great one. We are going to take a very quick break. And when we return, I am just so excited to welcome Andrew Kurtzman back to the show. You may have seen him making the rounds lately on an extensive media tour for his excellent and gripping and deeply researched book about former force in politics. The man who once was Rudolph Giuliani. The book is called Giuliani, The Rise and Tragic Fall of America's Mayor. It's on sale now. I thought I knew everything about the guy, and I was stunned by what's in this book. You don't want to miss it, and we'll be right back. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back. I got to say, as a uh, as a New Yorker, it's amazing to be alive at a time when the rest of the world is figuring out the Rudy Giuliani that we kind of knew about for decades. Full disclosure, I, I first met Rudy. The first time I met him, I was a, a teenage intern at WNYC Radio downtown in Manhattan, and I couldn't believe how gracious he was. He wasn't mayor yet, and he was so gracious and kind and asked me questions, and I felt so guilty because I had such a bias against him, and I was forced to be extra fair to him and be begrudging because he was very, very charming, and I totally understood his charisma and star power. And of course, after 9-11, he was hailed around the world as America's mayor, uh, a guy who was more admired than the Pope at the time. He was a brilliant man. He was a very, very accomplished man. 
and he had a dark side like you don't want to know. Giuliani, of course, uh, is not the same man on January 6th that he once was on September 11th. He's made a lot of bad choices. He's done a lot of self-destructive behaviors. And, of course, he seems to just be immune to humiliation. He just goes out time and time again. We've all lost track of how many times even his detractors have grimaced in empathy for how tragic his specter is nowadays. And so you may have seen Andrew Kurtzman making the rounds for his media tour for his excellent book, but he's the guy to write it. He covered Giuliani for three decades as a political reporter for TV and print, began as a city hall reporter, uh, wrote what is considered the definitive book about Giuliani's time as mayor. Um, Andrew was with Mayor Giuliani, the morning of September 11th, and you may have read his stuff over the years in The Times and The Washington Post. None of it can prepare you for the power and the gripping nature of his book, Giuliani, The Rise and Tragic Fall of America's Mayor. I I had parts in it where I thought, is this gossip? And I'm like, no, this is actual legitimate, important news. This book is a very, very moral book. It's deeply researched, and it's a real pleasure to welcome Andrew Kurtzman to SiriusXM. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you. I want to begin by just thanking you um, as a New Yorker who has spent the last two decades being um, appalled at how Giuliani has chosen to cash in on 9-11 and to profit from that uh, atrocious day. Uh, Your documentation here is just so wonderful and healing for the city, and I want to just get that out of the way. Um, What was it that made you decide to go back to the well and write another book? And how challenging is it to write a book about Giuliani when Giuliani's in the headlines creating more flop sweat every day yeah well i um i guess it's been 30 years since i started covering rudy giuliani amazingly enough i was a a reporter for new york one new york's um 24-hour television station or television news station and um even before we went on the air in 1993 um one of the first things i did as a reporter there is i had breakfast with rudy giuliani <laughs> and i became the giuliani reporter um for the uh, station and um covered him almost nightly for 8 years and then soon after um uh sorry and then um in september um i uh, just happened to be um, with him on 9-11 and I, um, kind of experienced that day with him. So I've, you know, I've always been fascinated with Giuliani. Um, he's such a complex guy and such a like complex stew of, um, uh, kind of good and bad of, um, you know, morality and immorality of competence, but ruthlessness uh, I mean, for for journalists, you know, it's it's a very very rich subject. He's such a complex guy, and also, you know, and also a brilliant guy. Yeah. Um, when he um, came back into prominence under Trump, you know, it 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 was a whole new kind of you know cycle. And uh, Simon and Schuster asked me to write a second book, and I'm like, sure. Sure. And I'm glad I did. It was, you know, we did over 200 interviews and went through mayoral archives and found out, you know, more about Giuliani than I think, you know, we thought we would. 
Uh, it, it's deeply impressive. I, I just thought, oh, I'll read this book, but I'll know everything. And my compliments, sir, uh, your scholarship is most impressive. There's so many details here and into the contradictions of the man as well. I, I wanted to ask about briefly his, his time as mayor, because he takes a lot of credit for the turnaround in New York City. And he was given a lot of credit uh, by the media at the time, uh, so much so that he squeezed out uh, Bill Bratton, his very effective police commissioner back in the mid 90s. Um, you know, if you lived in New York City at the time, there were two kinds of folks. Uh, there was white people who said he's doing great on crime and there were non-white people who said, what? Um, what is his true legacy now looking back over a couple of decades from the work they did and and the credit they deserve for cleaning up certain neighborhoods, but of course the wave of police harassment of young black men all across the city. That's a great, that's a great question, John, because the, um, the, the legacy I think is very clear. I mean, New York city was in a, was on a downward trajectory. I, 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 it was, um, kind of held captive by what I call the paralysis of good intentions. Um, the previous mayor, David Dinkins, was um, a trailblazing figure, the first black mayor of, of New York City who came in with huge excitement, yeah. but who um, kind of uh, f- was kind of trapped by his own desire not to kind of inflict harm on any constituency or, you know, it violates civil rights or or for that matter, stand up to the Democratic establishment that had elected him Giuliani comes along you know there's like rampant disorder in the streets and you know makes comments that seemed heretical at the time like there is no right to urinate on the street there is no right to sleep on uh, subway cars right the things that seem kind of common sense to us now but which mm-hmm. which were not um back at the time and he was elected you know more or less to crack some heads right to kind yeah. of straighten out this city i think um th- there's a lot of truth in the way that you've stated it but it's not fully true it wasn't i think that white um kind of enjoyed the of course, um, it's John generalizing, yes. Of Giuliani's policies and blacks didn't. What is true is that black New Yorkers did suffer um, the highest cost, right? So at, their neighborhoods were um, turned around under the, the sweep that Giuliani engaged in. But mm-hmm. the cost was of um, – the civil rights of every young black man in Bedford Stuyvesant and and Harlem, where, you know, if you were a black man of a certain age back then, you would expect, you know, a police officer, you know, to throw you against the wall, frisk you for guns, completely humiliate you. And it became almost kind of like something to be expected in the black community. So there was an unjustifies the meme kind of mentality right but you know there are any number of neighborhoods in brooklyn and the bronx etc that were rescued from total criminality and that became you know that that were rejuvenated because of giuliani's actions 
And again, and the policing techniques advocated by by Bratton, who eventually got squeezed out. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Bratton was an inspired choice. Indeed. Bratton was a, a, a Bratton was a not just kind of a cop's cop, which he was, but also a very sophisticated criminologist and, you know, invented all of these, you know, farsighted criminal justice methods that cities all over the country still emulate to this day. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, I want to ask you about a very interesting character in the book, and I will admit it's someone that I never thought about too much, and that would be uh, Mayor Giuliani's uh, former wife, Judy Nathan. Now, I'm old enough to equate uh, Donna Hanover as being Giuliani's wife. That's that's my orientation. And, of right. course, um, that marriage uh, was very good for him politically. Um, I was living in California when the Judy Nathan scandal began. And it smacked to me a little bit of what Donald Trump went through with Marla Maple, squiring his mistress out every night to embarrass his wife. I didn't realize until your book how crucial Judy Nathan was to the career and personal trajectory of Rudy Giuliani and how controversial she was among so much of his inner circle. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of the um, I guess questions you have to come into in trying to determine, well, what went wrong with Giuliani was, well, what was going on in his private life? And, you know, after a lot of reporting, it became clear that his private life was in total tumult. His wife, Judith Nathan, was despised by everyone around Giuliani. It was kind of Judith against his friends, Judith yeah. against his aides. And, you know, after a while, almost every single person that Rudy Giuliani came to depend upon was gone, separated by, um, you know, the constant warring with, with his wife. They what was viewed this? Her, what what, they what was it about her? her? Right. They viewed her as um, manipulative, as duplicitous, um, as um, possessive, and the... And as mostly dangerous to um, to Giuliani, there's a scene in my book in which Tony Carbonetti, his longtime mm -hmm. political aide, and Roger Ailes, uh, the president of Fox News, take Giuliani out for dinner and try to implore him to sign a prenup with Judith. <laughs> and uh, Giuliani refuses. And I think to this, you know. Today, I think Giuliani probably wishes that he had taken their advice. Um, so it was it was a matter of, you know, personality. And, but the way to which um, she became a polarizing figure just created tremendous amount of acrimony in Giuliani's life. Yeah. You know, I didn't I mean, I didn't know so much about his many uh, personal failings over the years. And you 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 talk in the book about how there's a a long string of things that would make him considered to be not a great husband. You know, I was kind of thinking about it. I wanted to ask you a question about like, how do you wade through those kind of stories as a journalist? How do you separate what is right. tawdry gossip from what is actually essential to the story you're trying to tell? But right. I realized, Mr. Kurtzman, Giuliani is one of the public figures who helped erase that line. I think that's really well put, John, really well put. He, he is, morality wasn't just kind of a privately held, you know, way of operating. Morality was kind of his guiding principle as a public figure, right? He's, he was always someone who felt that he was defending right 
against wrong. Meanwhile, he was cheating on his wives. And, you know, that hypocrisy was, you know, kind of crucial to the Giuliani story. It wasn't kind of, um, oh, what he was doing on the side, right? Uh, his private life was as filled with immorality as, um, as it was with, you know, with kindness and <laughs> loyalty. I mean, he had many sides to him. Absolutely. Well, and that brings us back to 9-11 and his legacy. Joe Biden, I think, once famously joked that Rudy Giuliani speaking is noun verb 9-11. But he sure did exploit it for all it was worth. And, and he deserves credit for the leadership he showed that day, no doubt. But I, I, I look at this guy selling collectible coins, selling cigars on his podcast. Right. You can get Rudy to do a cameo video for you for 400 bucks. Um, and it makes me think of Giuliani Partners, the law firm that he essentially opened up, which seems not really so much to, to practice any kind of law. It seems like it was always about him selling access to himself to rich guys from overseas. It's been depressing to me for a long time, and you really go deep on it. What did you discover about Giuliani Partners, and, and what surprised you? I was surprised by a lot, John, a lot. The um, I guess the road towards ruin for Giuliani is marked by a series of moral compromises, yeah. right? So remember after 9-11, I mean, to call him um, a figure or, or hero would be almost understating it um, in, in the eyes of, of the public, not my words. Um, he was beloved. He was a Bob Herbert, who was a critic of his in the New York Times, referred to Giuliani as godlike at the time. His popularity was over 90 percent. I mean, he was beloved across the world. I mean, someone who, you know, was kind of a father figure on the worst day of, you know, in on American soil. Right. Yeah. George George W. Bush was kind of, you know, absent that day. And he Giuliani became a giant. So what did he but do? Did Governor he, Pataki was George, carrying Giuliani's jacket for him. Yeah. I mean, he just he stepped up in. Uh, yes. In Andrew Cuomo's famous words. And, you know, he could have preserved his statesman's image, but instead he decided to cash in. And that would that was one of the most pronounced kind of moral compromises that set Giuliani on on the wrong course. He you know, he it's exactly the way you put it. He decided to cash in and use his name to make money. And Giuliani Partners was a management consulting firm. Mm -hmm. And neither he nor any of his colleagues had management consulting experience, um, really. But it didn't matter because the clients who came to him were really just after his name. They yes. wanted the imprimatur of America's mayor. Many of them had many uh, had public relations problems, not, you know, not management problems. That's right. Purdue Pharma. Right. That's Purdue right. Pharma came to him and boasted that, well, if Rudy Giuliani, you know, uh, um, supports us. Right. Then, you know, then we must be doing something right. Right. It was it was uh, shameless. It was shameless. I mean, it was it was selling access. And some guys seemingly did it for the photos with him or just for the, the connection. And, and Giuliani sold his his greatest legacy to the highest bidder. But it, it seems like it wasn't just big pharma. He met with some very shady authoritarian types as well. Right. So um, charting his business relationships was kind of uh, you could kind of chart his downfall by how crazy his business um, clients were. Right. <laughs> so 
his you know at the at the height of his powers his his um his clients were kind of reputable though um kind of um, problematic companies like purdue fast forward to after the 2008 presidential race which we haven't gotten to but the 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 other pivot point in his life besides 9-11 was 2008 his run for president yes and he had chosen that moment to capitalize on his heroic stature and make his run for president and it was a complete disaster he was the front runner for a year before the 2008 race but when it started in january he lasted just four weeks he bombed out after just four weeks with one delegate and you know he he left that race you know in humiliation and among other things, um, with his earnings potential curtailed, his 9-11 heroes halo kind of tarnished, he started going after clients who were more and more shady. Yeah. Why do you think the presidential campaign of 2008 flamed out as dramatically as it did? I remember watching it and just being shocked uh, at, at how poorly it all went. This is a time when... He was up against McCain, who eventually got the nomination, and Mitt Romney. But, I mean, Alan Keyes was blowing him off the stage in 2008, it seems. Right. What do you think was it that just didn't click? Well, it was kind of baked into the cake. I mean, he was a he was a pro-choice, pro-gay rights Republican. Yeah. It was, you know, almost axiomatic that someone with those views could not be nominated by the Republican Party. But his feeling and the feeling of his age was, well, he was exempt from the rules of Republican gravity because he was Rudy Giuliani. Exactly. He was America's mayor. Colin Powell was pro-choice. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, he made the run and it turned out he didn't really have much to say besides I will keep you safe because I was, you know, there on 9-11. And so 9-11 became kind of his mantra you know, in the, you know, to farmers, to farmers in Iowa and to small New England towns talking about the threat of terrorism. And it, mm. it didn't really resonate with a, with people out there in middle America. They didn't feel unsafe, right? Yeah. They didn't feel that terrorism was the number one problem. And then finally, there was the constant warring between Judith and his political age. And it created right. absolute turmoil in the campaign. I must say, I never really had a sense of the devastation he went through personally after that presidential campaign was such a disaster. But as you really detail and document in the book, that was the beginning of the big shift for him in terms of um, how well he held it together publicly, wasn't it? Yes. So Judith had never spoken with a reporter at length until she and I sat down. Uh, for my book. And she told me a harrowing tale about the um, Giuliani's plummet, emotional plummet, after he pulled out of the race at the end of January 2008, in which he is um, crestfallen. And he doubts his self-worth. His relevance is gone. He starts drinking. He falls into what she called a clinical depression. And she's a former nurse and kind of invoked that you know, her training to say that, you know, in my judgment, it was a clinical depression. The The story she tells is really extraordinary. I mean, it was, you know, it was kind of a jaw-dropping story. 
that I write about extensively in the book in which in the weeks following his his loss, she's kind of got this basket case in her hands, decides to kind of um, chill out in Florida at her parents' house. And um, he's, he's such a wreck that she's worried that the press is going to discover him. And so who does she reach to reach out to but Donald Trump? Yeah. And Donald yeah. Trump invites them to Mar-a-Lago, gives them this kind of beachfront property across a highway from uh, the Mar-a-Lago campus, and they travel um, undetected in the tunnels underneath Mar-a-Lago, so they couldn't be detected by the um, by the paparazzi. Right. And he's given kind of a month and a half to convalesce. And... Um, to convalesce, you know, I don't but not, wanna... not, not, not to stop drinking, but just to just to collapse and, and rest and heal. Well, you know, she had, you know, she had a situation where she had someone who was drinking, who was depressed. And, yeah. you know, she tried to kind of, in her words, try to kind of, you know, help him kind of get back in his feet. Now, sure. I, there is a big caveat, which I make in my book, which is that, you know, her aides, as I mentioned before, considered her very manipulative um, prone to exaggeration. And so, you know, I give the whole story, you know, a, something of a, a grain of salt because she tends to kind of embellish things for her own purposes. On the Shocking, other hand, Shocking. Giuliani has talked about uh, his time at, at Mar-a-Lago and other publications. So it was kind of, you know, clear that he was there. Other aides I spoke with said that he was in a very dark place at the time. So it all kind of clicks. Um, what really happened was really just between the two of them because they yeah. fell off the radar for that month and a half. Did you get a sense in your research for the book, sir, of what Giuliani's relationship was with Trump before all this, how he regarded this curious New York landlord celebrity who had been a Democrat and then the nominee of the Reform Party and ultimately came out of the tunnel, a hardcore right wing Republican. W what did the mayor think of Citizen Trump before he embraced politics? They had um, kind of a symbiotic relationship going back to Giuliani's mayoralty. And I had I was able to go through the archives of the Giuliani mayoralty, which was something that wasn't available when I wrote my first book about him 20 years ago and you know he found all of these terrific correspondences you know that were never made public between giuliani and donald trump in which giuliani is kind of um it was trump is beseeching giuliani to do favors for his um, development projects mm. and giuliani is kind of you know allowing them to kind of passively happen over the hackles of of critics and he wouldn't even answer his critics um, correspondences. And um, meanwhile, Giuliani is um, is uh, speaking at the funerals of Trump's mother and his father yeah. and then appearing in that famous skit where That's Giuliani right. dresses in drag and um, Trump nuzzles his nose into Giuliani's fake breasts. And there was right. there was always this kind of mutual admiration society going on. With that said, in 2016, when you know Giuliani is kind of in the political wilderness, having bombed out the presidential race and kind of in search for his um, political relevance, Trump was the only 
presidential candidate who came knocking at Giuliani's door, Giuliani was not impressed with Trump as presidential material at all, um, expressed private doubt, expressed some public doubt also. But Trump was kind of the only person who needed Giuliani, right? Trump had no um, political support at the time, had no policy uh, experience at all, and needed Rudy Giuliani. No one else yeah. did. And Giuliani needed Trump. And Trump mm-hmm. was Giuliani's um, ticket to relevance. Has there been a moment, as someone who spent so much time with the former mayor and covered him so closely, has there been a moment in the past couple of years and his new career as unhinged consigliere for Donald Trump that has truly surprised you or shocked you where you can't believe that's the same man you once covered so diligently? I was just as shocked as everyone else was, John. I was just as shocked to see his kind of deterioration. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the um, eruptions of anger during live television interviews, the, the, um, staggeringly bad choices he made that you know ended him up on in the borat film and compromising positions you know the hair dye press conference he you know i was as amazed by it as anyone else but you know the the net net of over 200 interviews for this book was that he had kind of sold his soul in so many different ways that so many different times that there was really nothing left except ambition by the time he met Donald Trump. Yeah. And, and so he, he really, he didn't really care about anything but retaining his power. And Trump was his ticket to power. And, you know, at, towards the very end, you know, 2020, when every other lawyer after the 2020 election was telling uh, Trump to hang it up, that Biden had won, Giuliani was telling Trump that he had he had he had won, and that yeah. Trump had won. Yeah, and that was because he needed Trump to win. Yes. he needed Trump to win. It's his and meal ticket. He was willing. Yeah, he was willing to help Trump at all costs, including the cost of damaging the country, damaging democracy. It's something that fascinated me. I would imagine there'd be you know Trump insiders who would talk about their anxiety of their candidates saying unhinged things, being unpredictable, unreliable. But you talked to Trump insiders about how mortified they were by Giuliani's conduct on behalf of Trump in 2020. I I had no idea that he terrified people in Trump's inner circle so deeply. He was considered an unguided missile. And I spoke to numerous people who worked under Trump, people who supported Trump, right? People who worked for Trump. People who, you know, gave their, you know, gave their lives over to Trump. But Trump lost. And they, you know, they they were realists. And they know that he lost to Biden. And Giuliani was kind of out there outside of the chain of command. They couldn't control him. And he had this kind of um, channel to the Oval Office that skirted you know, every other channel um, available to them. And, you know, they would be arguing to Trump one thing, and then Giuliani would be whispering something else in Trump's ear. And because Giuliani was telling Trump what he wanted to hear, Trump grew to rely upon Giuliani more and more, and to his other eight less and less. 
<laughs> what do you think happens next, sir? I mean, he's obviously going to stay in the public eye, most likely for the rest of his life. Um, and he is facing, obviously, many investigations, not the least of which is his election meddling in Georgia. Right. What, if you had to hazard a guess, would you say the next decade or so it looks like for a late 70s octogenarian Rudy Giuliani? Yeah, I mean, he's 78 years old now. He's um, he's facing bankruptcy. He's the subject of criminal investigations in Georgia and Washington. Um, the Georgia grand jury um, is, according to the district attorney, um, it expects to um, turn over some indictments after the first of the year. He's in he's in deep deep trouble. He's in financial trouble. He's in legal trouble, and you know Donald Trump has his own legal exposure. But Trump has so much it is so much in his arsenal. He's got the power of the ex presidency. He's got unlimited money. He's got the adoration of tens of millions of Americans. Rudy Giuliani has none of that. He has no money. He has been abandoned by most of his supporters. He's alone. It's a it's a tragic story. Well, I want to congratulate you on a triumphant book. It is Giuliani, The Rise and Tragic Fall of America's Mayor by Andrew Kurtzman. What a love letter rave you got in The New Yorker uh, and richly deserved. It is just great, great journalism. What's next for you, sir? Uh, what, what's your next project going to be? I would imagine you'll be needing a, a Giuliani break. Well, yeah, <laughs> I do need a Giuliani break, although I, you know, I. I've been fascinated by Rudy Giuliani for 30 years, and I, I don't expect that to ever, you know, ever abate. I've, you yeah, know, right he's it, every reporter, if he or she is lucky, has one or two figures in their lives who captivate them so much that that they, you know, they're they're endlessly kind of fascinated. By every step, and that's the way I am with Giuliani. He's kind of my—he's my guy, you know. <laughs> I'm always going to be interested in him, and you know, the trajectory that he's been on is very different from the one he was on when I first got hooked on him. I mean, now you know, my first book was about his rise. My second book was about his rise and fall. Well, I, I guess then I have him to thank for this incredible book because Rudy is quite a delirious, twisted muse, and it's a gripping read. Andrew Kurtzman, thank you so much for joining us again. The book is Giuliani, The Rise and Tragic Fall of America's Mayor. Really a pleasure to have you. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Come on back anytime. Quick break. And when we return, your calls at 866-997-4748. This is Sirius XM. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. 
And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We have a lot of listeners uh, who want to who weigh in on stuff. Are you ready to, to answer everyone's questions? Uh, Keith is here to help you with any of your questions about life, history, politics, philosophy, (laughs) sexuality, race, your taxes. Uh, He can help you with relationship advice, whatever you need. Comedy Daddy is your daddy, too. (laughs) Uh, Is it Jackson in Florida? Hello. Hey, John. Hey. Y'all are pretty desperate to get Trump on anything to help you make yourself feel better before your ass kicking in November. Oh, wow. You waited on hold a long time for this, didn't you? No, listen, I, I already so. said I don't think he's I don't think uh, Jack is your name. Is your name Jackson? Is that correct? Yes, sir. OK, I get you don't like us. That's fine. Thanks for waiting on hold. We don't hate you back. We're your liberal friends. Uh, I don't think Trump will ever go to jail. I, I think they could have anything on him, But I don't think America would ever send an ex-president of either party to jail unless there were just piles of dead children. I, I, I don't think it would ever actually happen. I think Donald Trump is going to be shelling out money for defense attorneys for the rest of his life because he's in a lot of legal trouble on a lot of fronts. But that's I don't think he's ever going to go to jail. What else you got? What's the point of all these lawsuits then? Uh, well, it's historic. This has never this has never happened in American history. We have never seen an attorney general sue a former American president for extensive fraud because you you know that Donald Trump commits a lot of fraud, right? He's got a long rap sheet. He's not an honest guy. He's a deeply corrupt man. He stole from veterans with a fraud universe. You know, you I get you like him, Jackson, but you know he's a corrupt individual, right? Uh, no, he's my president. Okay, uh, he, All right. he would you would you donate money to Trump University if it was still running? Sure. Why would you give? You know why it shut down? Yes, because he had a he had a business partner who was corrupt and it was mm. stealing money from. Uh, uh, no, actually, no, yes, no. John, he committed John fraud. Uh, he had to pay twenty six million dollars in education <laughs> fraud. So no. <laughs> He, he was a corrupt man who stole oh, from girl. people, including vets. And then he, he, he had to fold his charitable foundation and pay a $2 million fine for that because he is a corrupt guy who rips off hardworking white men like you. And so is Hillary Clinton and Joe no. Biden. I mean, no, they don't. They, oh. they have never, they've never gotten in trouble for committing fraud against men like yes, you. Yeah, Donald Trump. Yeah, but. Donald Trump tells yeah. you a lot of things you want to hear, but he laughs at men like you, Jackson, because he's been ripping off hardworking white men like you his entire adult life. And he tells you what you want to hear for your money. I'm sure he sends you as many emails a day as he sends me for cash. Uh, and he laughs at you because he doesn't take you seriously and plays you for a sucker. 
Well, dipshit, you won't be laughing in, in November. When you're Why is that? Is he going to be president? Is he going to be reappointed president? Because he, he, really, he really did win in 2020, right, Jackson? Oh, he won so hard. Tell, tell us, Jackson. Tell us about the rabbits. Tell us how Donald Trump beat Joe Biden so bad, right? right? Why, why isn't he still in the White House? Shouldn't he have a lawsuit against that to keep his job? Mm-hmm. 2,000 mules proves it. <laughs> oh, that's oh, right. Honey. 2,000 mules proves it. So the 60 it's lawsuits so that were though. thrown out of court. You know, Jackson, I got to tell you this. No matter how much you beg him, he will never let you kiss the tip. You can beg him so hard. Please, Mr. Trump, I've been so good. But Jackson, you're a sad little racist who's there to be suckered. Why is Donald Trump's money in your checking account? Get him your money, Jackson. Are you obedient or are you free thinking? No, you're obedient. So get down there and grovel. Like the good MAGA soldier you are. Hi, Keith. Did you miss this all week? <laughs> Let me just. I got to say, John, that's like one of the first times I've ever seen you just kind of like just finally go, you know what? <laughs> I, I just can't let you all have just what nothing. am I going to do like this guy is just like he's got a born to lose sign tattooed on his head. No disrespect, Jackson. Call back um, and give Trump money. He's fighting so hard for you. Give money to Trump <laughs> universe. What am I going to get angry at a guy like this? I mean, I, you, you know, no, but it's like but then, you know, we fall into that same category. See, this is what got got these particular types of people so upset because we were making fun of them. And it's like at this point now, it's not even that we're making fun of you. We're like now pointing out the things that are just already obvious right? that are in the ether in front of you, I in know. front of me, in front of the whole world. And you're still choosing to not even acknowledge it. And so I know. But now look how he talks to people. To have to make fun of you again. Look how you that guy talked to us. It. He couldn't stop swearing at us. He couldn't stop. He was ready. I mean, we're dipshits. Yeah, comes we're at all you with hate. Yeah, like, there you go. Yeah, I'm a dipshit wow. with my money in my pocket. How about you that? You called me dipshit so many times, it's forced me to reevaluate my entire morality. You must be right. Hey, um, hey John. <laughs> yeah, Chris. Speaking of dipshits, uh, <laughs> I got this great clip of uh, Trump with Hannity tonight. You oh, to- here's a summit. Hey, Jackson yes. in Florida. Oh, get out. Jackson, get out the hand lotion. You're going to love this. Here is Supreme <laughs> Ruler Trump saying things to an awkward Sean Hannity. Give a listen. This is about the classification process. Is there a process? What was your process to declassify? There doesn't have to be a process, as I understand it. You know, there's different people say different things, but as I understand it, there doesn't have to be. If you're the president of the United States, you can declassify just by saying um, it's declassified, even by thinking about it, because you're sending it to Mar-a-Lago or to wherever you're sending it. And there doesn't have to be a process. There can be a process, but there doesn't have to be. You're the president. You make that decision. So when you no. send it, it's declassified. We, I declassified right. just, just everything. By, now, uh, Just by thinking about it, Keith, just by thinking, if you wish really hard and all of you clap <laughs> so Tinkerbell can live, I can declassify this. Oh, and also I have executive privilege. And also I didn't even know it was there. And also the FBI planted it. And also Jackson in Florida, give me your money. Why is my money in your bank account, Jackson? Are you in a MAGA or not? Crack for rules. <laughs> <laughs>